all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. Halloween is one of the most popular holidays with kids. They love it, and some adults thrown in there, too. It can be a great time to get out and spend some time as a family with your neighbors, and there are some potential hazards, though, that you need to watch out for that could pop up and do more damage than just scare you. So learn how to avoid these dangers today as we talk about Halloween safety, and we'll also talk about some other safety issues uh, based on an email that we got this week. You can share your comments and experiences this morning or any questions about any kind of health care topic related to the health of your kids or family by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you could email us uh, at teens at mpbonline.org. Well, I am with you pleading, praying for rain. Uh, it is way too dry. I actually got back uh, this weekend from the American Academy of Pediatrics National Conference out in uh, San Francisco. Having a drought out there, but it sure did seem a whole lot drier when I came back than when I was out there. So a lot of excitement in pediatrics these days about different issues, dealing with kids, health access, uh, safety issues, and environmental issues like we had with Flint, Michigan, and the water issue there. Lots of good things to think about, particularly as we move toward our uh, national uh, election of our president and other officials, both locally and uh, nationally. So think about that. Think about how that might impact your kids and and, uh, vote the best way that you can uh, so that our kids can maybe have it a little bit better than we had it. So I encourage everybody to be excited about that. Um, certainly a lot of activity and attention to that. And maybe you've just gotten tired of it, but uh, hang in there. Almost over with this cycle. And uh, only one way to really uh, stay involved in it, uh, only one way to have a voice, and that's to stay involved in it and see it through through the election. So, you know, holidays are a big deal with kids. They love holiday season, uh, all kinds of different uh, holidays that we have. Certainly Christmas is probably the number one holiday that kids love. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is they're out of school. Uh, they uh, are able to stay home some. But some of it is just what goes on at those holidays. And Halloween is one of those traditionally uh, even if you're not a fan of Charlie Brown's uh, Halloween, uh, Gre- The Great Pumpkin, we actually watched that. Uh, my, I couldn't believe it. My 15-year-old and 12-year-old boys watched that the other day. They were like, Dad, this is pretty cool. Of course, there was a debate going on, so that may have been the better of two options for them at the time. Um, but, uh, you know, Halloween's one of those big ones where it's a lot of fun. gives kids a chance, particularly those younger kids, love to dress up, sometimes older ones too, and go out in the neighborhood and just have a good time. 
we know we're so sequestered and so uh, um, because of all the electronic media that we have these days, a lot of times we don't take the time really just to step across the street and meet your neighbors. And that's a good time if you live in a neighborhood where you can do that. Halloween's a good time to to do that. I was at a a festival uh, with our uh, church last night. I know a lot of churches have a lot of carnivals and festivals this time of year. Check out what's going on in your neighborhoods. There may be some other alternatives to a traditional trick-or-treat that fit best with what your family traditions uh, and uh, and uh, the usual things that you do during this time of year. But uh, get out there and have a lot of fun. So that's coming up. Uh, most people, are, I think, are celebrating it Monday, maybe some people over the weekend. But first, I wanted to, to touch on an issue about uh, safety in the car. Uh, and this comes as an email uh, from one of our listeners who was recently in a, unfortunately, in a motor vehicle or, uh, collision. Uh, she states, uh, my family and I, my, and in the car, she says there were her husband, her five-year-old, and three-year-old. Uh, they were recently hit by another car going through an intersection. Thankfully, no one was seriously hurt, just some bumps and bruises. Both my kids were in the back seat in their car seats, and everybody seemed fine afterwards. However, is there anything that I should be concerned with after the wreck? What should I be looking for for any kind of issues that might pop up? So you may have experienced this, a uh, little fender bender, or maybe it was a more serious accident. And um, it's it's terrifying if you're in an accident. It's even more terrifying if you have little ones in the car and there are some things that you want to be uh, that you want to be aware of. Probably the biggest thing going into it to help protect you against that are car seats. Uh, so our cars are designed with safety in mind. Uh, there are some you know regulations around that. Certainly, seat belts. Everybody should be wearing a seat belt or a restraint system, depending on how old they are. So, uh, older kids, greater than twelve, or adults, certainly should uh, take advantage of those seat belts that are there. You know, I, a habit of mine is to just look and glance, and we have lights now that alert us on these kinds of things, just to see, you know, who is uh, who's buckled up, and uh, those are the kind of things that. Uh, that you really, you know, you want to make sure that you have uh, all that taken care of before you start the car moving. Uh, so that's that's probably the best thing. Now, I get a lot of questions, uh, particularly with new families, and these things tend to, you know, you, you think you know them and then they change about car seats. So what car seats are appropriate uh, for kids and at what ages? So starting with birth, uh, in most hospitals, they'll require you when you go home with your child to uh, to have a car seat with you. That's the law in the state of Mississippi and most other states. Um, so from birth up to age two, a child sh- uh, should usually be in a child seat that is rear-facing in the back seat. That's the safest thing for them. Uh, they've done great uh, you know, car crash data on this. Uh, to look at the forces involved in various car crashes from different uh, from different angles, different velocities. So birth to age two, rear-facing car seat, and uh, you need to buckle them in that. Um, uh, if they reach the upper limit of some of those seats, and those can vary uh, according to the brand of seat, uh, then they can graduate to the other one. But if they're still less than two years of age, they need to be rear-facing. Now, that's a hassle I know for a lot of families. They're like, I can't see my child. They're rear-facing. I really don't feel like that's a safe thing. Well, the reason for that is 
their neck musculature, if you think about a baby uh, up until they're two years of age, it's not developed yet. They don't really have the stability. Their heads are, in in proportion to their body, uh, are a lot bigger than the rest of their torso or body. And you really, uh, you know, you need to protect them from that. The rear-facing seat, particularly for forward, uh, you know, if you if you hit something or something hits you from the front side of the car, which most, uh, you know, most accidents do occur with that kind of forces, those kind of forces involved. That's going to protect them because that head, all those forces are going to transfer as they decelerate against that seat. Uh, rear facing. So that's the reason for that. It is still the safest thing you can do up to age two. Um, two to age, at least age five, depending on the size of your child, when they outgrow that rear facing seat, and again, that would be the weight limit on there or their age two and above, uh, up to about age five, they should be buckled in a forward facing car seat until at least age five or when they reach the upper limit or the height limit of that particular seat. Uh, so that's important. Age five and up um, until seatbelts uh, fit appropriately and properly, uh, you need a booster seat. And that really gets that lap belt, I mean, excuse me, that shoulder belt at the right height because you can get a little bit too high or too low and it doesn't protect their upper torso to decelerate it. And then finally, you know, once they reach that proper height, um, uh, at least over age five, maybe even later than that, you need to make sure that they're in seat belts. Now, some kids like to wrap that shoulder belt behind them. That's not going to work, and that's going to cause, you know, occasionally we'll see kids come in like that. They just have the, the lap belt on, uh, or they've maneuvered that shoulder belt behind them. And uh, they can have some significant abdominal injuries that sometimes, you know, are, are pretty serious and require surgical intervention. Uh, so those are some ways to... Uh, to protect them beforehand. Let's go to our first caller, and then we'll come back to this issue in just a second. Let's go to Mark in Hamilton, Alabama. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning. I appreciate your program. Sure. Thank you for calling. What's your uh, question or comment this morning? I've got a little girl. She's 11. About two years ago, she had West Nile virus, and uh, I have long uh, been curious or concerned as to whether uh, especially if it came to donating blood, is is her blood uh, uh, more preferable, less preferable, no difference? Uh, could you come on, come in on that for me, please? Sure. And you said how old was she when she developed the West Nile infection? I would say she was about nine. Okay. And she, how old is she now? She's 11. We had a rough night of it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so West Nile uh, can affect kids. Uh, Kids are one of the special populations that we see some complications. And what we know now about West Nile is a lot of people get it. They're infected with it. Again, it's a virus. I think most people are familiar. It's a virus that's transmitted by mosquitoes from person to person. Uh, You can't really transmit it uh, from one person to another uh, uh, directly by direct contact or sneezing on them or anything like that. But it can be, you have to have that mosquito that picks it up. And of course, in the South, we have lots of mosquito problems anyway. Uh, with kids though, they can, uh, they can get anything from no symptoms at all. A lot of them won't even have any symptoms to maybe a mild fever. Some of them feel like they have the flu with body aches. They may have uh, a cough with that. And then some of them can have some other effects, and uh, we've had everything from neurologic complications to musculoskeletal complications, uh, memory loss. Most of the uh, cognitive uh, issues tend to be in those really, really young kids, 
Uh, and, uh, you know, that's that's not quite, you know, age 9 or 11, that's not quite in that age range. That Usually they do pretty well with it, but they can have problems later. And then older adults that are uh, immunocompromised, if somebody's on some medication that's going to decrease their immune system's response, that can also uh, put them at risk. So, uh, you know, most most kids uh, recover from this without any complications. We think at least that they have immunity to the virus uh, for an extended period of time that may be protective about getting it in the future unless something happens to their immune system to uh, decrease, uh, you know, how well it works. But most of the time they'll recover uh, fine without any long-term complications. So as far as is uh, is donating blood, usually after you're out of that uh, acute period where you're, you know, the virus is in their system um, and uh, your body's not quite able to uh, develop the antibodies and all the immunologic reasons, uh, all the immunologic things that it does to clear that virus from the system, you wouldn't want them donating blood. And generally that's just when they have symptoms. But if, if, you know, if she's asymptomatic at this point, if she's not having fevers, now she may have some of the long-term complications, but that's not necessarily going to prevent her from being, you know, able to donate blood uh, in the future. So it's not, the virus is not something that you carry with you for long periods of time. Once the symptoms resolve, it's out of your system. Your body's immune system now is able to fight that off and, uh, and you could donate blood just like anybody else. You know, there are some reasons, some viruses that you can contract that would prevent you from donating blood. Uh, you know, some of the, the main ones uh, that I think everybody's aware of is HIV, some of the hepatitis viruses. And those are on the, the questionnaires that they, they ask you. Of course, they will ask you if you have been exposed to West Nile or been in an area that has a high prevalence of West Nile, some travel outside this country. Uh, where not just you'd be exposed to West Nile, but other viruses or other, you know, tropical infections that might be serious. Dengue is one. Uh, um, so the Zika virus, of course, is a big one that's uh, in the news right now. But what we know about sort of the immunolo- immunologic response to that is if you, you know, you're pretty healthy going into it, generally you do okay. Uh, and after it clears your, you know, clears your system, your symptoms go away should be able to donate blood and that's a that's a big deal donations of blood you know people worry about that we always need more blood donations and uh, if everybody donated blood uh who could uh we would have absolutely no problems whatsoever but uh particularly for some of the rare blood forms that's a wonderful thing that you can do to save somebody's life so uh, so i would say mark you know probably at this point from a blood donation standpoint should be fine you know, in the future, it's a little bit young right now to donate blood, but that that shouldn't be a problem unless there's been a, a major complication. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Sure. Thank you for calling. Yes. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and we're talking about some safety issues this morning, and uh, we appreciate your calls and any kind of topic that you have this morning. Maybe it is some safety uh, questions about Halloween. We'd love to uh, touch on those today. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Our number today is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about Halloween safety along with some other safety issues. And uh, we're talking a little bit earlier about an unfortunate incident of having a car wreck. And what do you do after that, Uh, after your kids have been in there, if they're in their car seats? uh, What are some of the things that you want to watch out for, for anything that might occur? Well, of course, initially you want to make sure everybody's safe. Uh, and I would, you know, you, I just got back uh, flying back from the AAP conference. You know, you always, if you've ever flown on a plane, you know that the stewardess come out and they, you have these videos or they'll demonstrate and they say, if in, in the event the cabin loses pressure, uh, oxygen masks will be deployed from the ceiling, come down. Always put your, your own mask on first, and then you can assist either kids or other uh, adults that might uh, that might need your your assistance afterwards. You know that that's the that's true in a car wreck too. Our first impulse, I think, as parents, is to check on your kids, but you want to make sure that you're okay to do that too. Uh, that you're not in such serious condition that you can't uh, that you're going to injure yourself more, uh, and then you can't help your kids. Uh, asking for help is certainly uh, important. A lot of people have their phones programmed with emergency numbers and emergency contacts. Um, I wouldn't be very cavalier about that, particularly if I had younger kids in the car. You know, calling emergency personnel is important. Uh, getting uh, a prompt medical attention can uh, be the best thing at saving a life after a car wreck, even if it doesn't seem like it's uh, that serious uh, an injury or that serious a car wreck when it, when it occurs. So check on yourself. Make sure you're okay. And then check on your kids. Usually kids will be the appropriate response for everybody is to be terrified, to scream and to cry. Reassuring them about things is what you want to do first so that you can get a good exam on your kids uh, or at least a good handle on how they're doing. So reassurance is really important. That can be tricky, particularly with younger kids. Uh, when they don't know what to expect. Talking them through that about what's going to happen is important, too. It's okay. We're going to check you out. Just stay in your seat right now. Uh, Some men might come. Some men or women might come, and they might examine you. Uh, So talking them through that process is important. The, one of the big things to look out for is obvious cuts or, you know, if they're not moving an extremity, that's a big red flag that I think most people would pick up on. Um, I would not remove them from their seats again immediately uh, because if they do have an injury, particularly to their spine, uh, their neck, their head, you might do some more damage than if you left them in the seat. That seat not only protects them against those forces with the car wreck, but it also uh, protects them immediately afterward if there's been an injury. Uh, so I would I would try to keep them in the seat unless you have some extenuating circumstances. Uh, get them checked out, as I said, by emergency personnel, either on the scene or if you feel like that they're okay, you know, using your best judgment as a parent, uh, that you can take them to a, a clinic to get checked out pretty quick. Now, uh, muscle aches and pains, as you know, if you've ever been in a car wreck, a car accident, you know that immediately afterward, usually you can feel just fine. And then uh, you start to have some muscle aches or pains just because of the body's natural reaction to resist that motion and the tensing up that sometimes happens. Uh, So neck pain is common, back pain, musculoskeletal pain is common in adults and older children. Uh, But younger children, that might be mask a good bit. 
um, if they're not acting uh, appropriately, if they're not calming down appropriately or complaining about pain, it needs to be evaluated uh, after something like that. And again, even if it's if it's a minor, what you would consider a minor uh, car wreck, you want to make sure you that you pay attention if they're complaining about things. Uh, head injuries, of course, are the ones that uh, that we always think about. Uh, they're hard to ascertain, you know, depending on where they are in the car. Again, the back seat with an appropriate child uh, seat, uh, whether that's rear-facing or forward-facing facing is very important uh, that's appropriate for their size. But sometimes, depending on the impact, if it's from the side, if their head has hit the window, that's that's important to, uh, to get checked out as well. If it looks like that that might have occurred, if there's immediate bruising to the head, uh, you want to get that checked out. And then afterwards, uh, after the wreck, uh, you know, watching them for a period of time to see if they're getting back to their normal routine. Uh, if they're not, you know, if they're not able to stand up and they, they were old enough to stand, to walk, to run, uh, if they're not doing all the normal things that they were doing prior to the event, get them checked out. Get them checked out as quick as you can to make sure that they're going to be okay because these things are subtle. Kids don't tell you what's going on. You really have to observe these things uh, and, and a, somebody trained to do that uh, that has access to other modalities to look at uh, you know what's going on, whether that be an X-ray, CT scan, if, if appropriate. Those are things that you want to get or maybe some blood work depending on the injury. Um, most of the time kids do fine if they're in those seats. And I can't say enough, I keep going back to these car seats, but you want to make sure that that is going to protect your child. One thing that you want to keep uh, in mind after the wreck, uh, even if it looks like that everything's okay with your car seats, you, you probably need to get a, another one. Uh, same kind of issue with uh, with helmets. So, for instance, if you have a biking accident and you fall and you hit your head, uh, you're fine, but your helmet, you know, looks okay. Doesn't look like there's any cracks. Uh, if you have any kind of there, the, those kinds of things, including car seats, are designed when they're put under pressure to absorb those forces so that they don't get transferred to the child or the adult. So uh, when that happens, it damages the material. So if you have another wreck and they're in the car seat and you can't, the car seat looks fine, you may have some, some cracks in that car seat, some damage to the material that is supposed to happen to absorb that impact. Uh, and they're not really designed to have multiple impacts on them. It's just once. Uh, so that's that, you know, I, I understand big expense, you know, there's certainly, so there's a lot of organizations out there that, that can help you out with that, but, um, uh, but our friends and family that maybe can help you out, but that's important to get a new, uh, car seat. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and we're talking about safety issues, fixing to talk about uh, Halloween safety, which is a big deal coming up. We would love to hear your calls. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about the health of your children or family, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. So Halloween, what's the big deal with Halloween safety? Well, if you think about it, you got large numbers of people that are all congregating together at one place, whether that's in a neighborhood, uh, whether that's at a carnival. Uh, we just had the Mississippi State Fair and other regional fairs around the area. That's a that's a lot of places where your kids can get hurt. It's out of the ordinary. There's things you can trip over. You add to that low light conditions because most people trick or treat or at least they prefer to trick-or-treat after the sun goes down. 
There are distractions. Certainly, there's lots of distractions with uh, costumes and all the kinds of things that are going on, decorations that draw your eye to that. So there's there's lots of opportunity to trip, to fall, to uh, to injure yourself. Uh, the age appropriateness of the child comes into play as well. So certain children, certainly a two-year-old, is not going to be able to go and trick-or-treat on their own. Uh, that's that's probably inappropriate. Um, older children, that might be that might be the case in groups. Uh, but the age appropriateness of the child and what's you know what's available for them to do is a, is important to to consider as well. And then candy and uh, and sometimes toys. So some of them can be appropriate. Some of them are inappropriate for pretty much all ages. Uh, and you know, unfortunately, every year we have. Uh, you know, people that uh, take advantage of this to do some harm to people, and you never know. You never know, particularly if you're in, your, you're in a neighborhood that's uh, that you don't know everybody or in a place that you don't know. You just don't know with certain foods, particularly if they're not in a wrapper, what they're going to do uh, to that child. So it's a it's a setup to have a lot of um, a lot of potential hazards uh, from uh, just what you're exposed to. So one thing to keep in mind is, is, you know, neighborhood safety. So if you think about just the environment that your child's in, uh, I would uh, caution families uh, to, uh, from going to places that they don't know about. At least check it out first. So uh, choosing your neighborhoods, if you're going to trick-or-treat or if you're going to a carnival, choose them wisely. Um, know where they're going. Uh, where your child is going, who they're going to be with. Um, if You know, I certainly... Uh, if if my child uh, was younger and and going to a place that I didn't know about, I'd want to be there with them. Um, and you can sort of judge this, you know, according to what their age is. But you know, you want to know where they're going. Uh, define when that they're going going to be out. In other words, uh, if they're older, you want to say, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. Even for younger kids. It makes for a, a nicer time if you can say, okay, we're going to trick or treat from six o'clock in the evening till eight. And then we're going to come, you know, uh, close it down, come back home. And there are alternatives, plenty of alternatives out there. Church carnivals, uh, community carnivals or uh, harvest retreats that are really a lot of fun. And it, it uh, it's a little bit different than the traditional trick or treat. Some of them have sort of the same thing going on. They can have games, lots of different things. But, you know, just because you're going to a carnival doesn't mean it's necessarily safer than uh, than going through the neighborhoods. Um so where they're going is really important as far as the, the environment to think about that and to talk about that with younger kids. The second thing is what do they need to take with them? Uh, a bag, you know, even older kids. Now, you know, I have teenagers. They don't all the time remember to think about things that they need in all situations. If your kids are getting their costumes on, uh, they are um, – they're, you know, uh, uh, all excited about that. They're looking outside. The sun's still up. They're not going to think, oh, I need a flashlight uh, because it's going to be uh, a little bit darker after that. So a flashlight's a good idea for at least one person in the group to have to sort of navigate, particularly if you've got a lot of uh, up and down sidewalks or curbs that are available. Um, you know, one thing that that's not a bad idea, particularly if you're in a neighborhood, is a lighted safety vest for adults or kids. So I have a couple of jackets that 
uh, running jackets that uh, that have some piping on them uh, that is uh, reflective, highly reflective. That's a great idea. Or you can buy the tape uh, from you know from lots of stores. Uh, hobby stores have this, and you can actually put that on their costume. Uh, if it's the right kind of material, it's not detracting from the costume. You can put it on their back so that it doesn't really matter anyway. They can't see it, uh, but it just keeps them safe, particularly if there's a you know a car coming up that uh, lets them know that they're there. Uh, I had a uh, somebody joked in our office this morning and said, "Can you uh, can you talk about the safety of, uh, of the appropriateness of an all black costume?" Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> probably not a good idea if you're going to be in large areas. So if your child wants to be, uh, a ninja in black face paint and all black costume, uh, just keep in mind, nobody's going to see them in the middle of the night. So that's, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be a problem, particularly if they're going to be running around. So a lot of safety vests for, you know, as an adult too, that might be something to, to just wear, uh, or for your kids to wear. And then, you know, set some parameters uh, for how you want your kids to act. So uh, you're, particularly if you're trick-or-treating, nobody, you know, everybody wants to have fun in trick-or-treating. And, and you know, growing up, for me, that was always a fun time. I can remember when I, I going out and trick-or-treating, when I got older, I would dress up and be on the front porch and see if I could just scare people half to death. I know that's a little little sad and sadistic maybe uh, for for me but it was a lot of fun um so uh, i can even remember one year getting on the getting on the roof and jumping off the roof uh at a couple of kids so i'm not advocating that for anybody but you know it's it's a lot of fun uh but uh, you you do want to respect property and you know a lot of kids hightailed it out there because i scared them through our bushes uh, I don't think my mom or dad was too uh, happy with that or through flower beds. Uh, so keep that in mind and, and talk to your kids about that. Uh, one of the big deals is they want to just go straight to the door. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're they're great at geometry. They they want to uh, have the, the closest distance to that door so that they can get the most amount of can- candy, whether that's through uh, their lawn, through their flower beds. Uh, talk to them about taking those sidewalks and driveway. We're talking about Halloween safety this morning on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and we'd love to hear your questions or comments if you have them about anything. It doesn't have to be about Halloween or safety-related. You can give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about costumes. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we've been talking about Halloween safety and a couple other topics. And would love to hear any kind of questions that you had this morning. It doesn't have to be about Halloween. It can be about any kind of health care issue that's affecting you or your family. 
you can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or you can email us at kids and teens at mpb online dot org so with Halloween we have costumes right so uh, this is a huge deal with kids. Probably they have as much fun with the costume as they do with actual trick-or-treating. Um, we used to make costumes ourselves. So we would take old sheets and uh, rip them up and be a, a ghost or a mummy uh, with a lot of uh, crazy makeup on our face and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, of course, you can buy costumes. So uh, before you go all out on a $1,000 costume or whatever you're going to invest in, it, just think about the logistics of that. You know, uh, some costumes are not very appropriate from a safety standpoint. Um, and they we talked a little bit about dark costumes. That's a big deal. Or you might have, you know, costumes that uh, hang down. Uh, make sure your child can safely walk in it. Uh, one of the worst things that, that you can do is to uh, get a costume uh, maybe Monday afternoon uh, for for Monday night of trick-or-treating and not uh, really see how that's going to fit on your child, how they're going to be able to walk around in it. So uh, try it on just like you try on other clothes for your kids and uh, and see and make sure that they're um, – just make sure that uh, um, that they're going to be, you know, appropriate for them as they're walking around in neighborhoods and different areas uh, that they can walk safely in it. And then think about the light situations. If you're going to be in a, in a place that has appropriate light, maybe, you know, that's a, a carnival, but uh, particularly for trick-or-treating. And in fact, we got this uh, this uh, email from uh, from Gabe, who's an EMT that works in Meridian. And uh, he says, you know, please use reflective costumes, uh, even if it's an inconvenience. Every single year we have a child hit by a car on Halloween. That is just a, a tragedy when it happens. And you think about that, you know, out having a good time and that to happen to your family. You don't want that to happen. Reflective costumes are incredibly important, can save lives. There are so many distractions on our roads today. Um, you know, it's you can... Uh, uh, look at uh, we've talked about on this program about particularly about texting and driving, uh, phone use and driving, uh, and certainly uh, you know Halloween is one of those times, particularly with low light conditions. You don't want to do that. Put that phone down if you're driving. You don't want to be the person that hits that child, uh, and yeah, you know you certainly wouldn't want that to happen to your own children as well. So reflective piping on those costumes. Ask about it. Look for it on the packaging. If you don't have it, you can go to one of the hobby stores uh, and get that. Uh, you can actually go to the hardware store and get reflective uh, reflective tape and put that on the costume in uh, areas where they can see both front and back. Uh, and uh, you, ha- you can be real creative with that, too, you know, with all of it. Um, uh, you can just... Put it all over them, and that be, could be their costume. They could just be one reflective costume. So maybe a Tin Man idea might be a good idea. But seriously, that you, you want to protect your kids because, uh, as Gabe pointed out, every year we have somebody hit on Halloween. So thanks, Gabe, for that uh, that suggestion, and uh, uh, thank you for for your service out there as an EMT protecting us and uh, being a first responder. So think about those think about those costumes and what kind of things are appropriate. Uh, for different uh, different age ranges, uh, but being able to get around and being seen appropriately is uh, is very important in those lower light uh, situations. You know, one of the the big things about Halloween is the candy, right? I mean, we have candy. Actually, our clinic, I must confess, you know, as as a pediatric clinic, 
you know, we do have we have what we call a candy drawer. Uh, so it's a it's a big uh, burnout deterrent in our clinic. Uh, so we've had candy year round, but sometimes you know some some seasons you tend to get better candy. Valentine's Day, Halloween, uh, and then the, during the holidays. Sometimes they'll make that special candy, and uh, several people—I won't say who they are—are are a little bit um, uh, a little bit preferential towards the uh, the Reeses in the different uh, shapes. Uh, I don't know that it tastes any differently, but there's lots of candy that's around that people love during Halloween that you don't normally get. Again, expectations are things that you want to discuss with your kids about, you know, how are you going to do this? What are you going to do? Uh, it's probably a good idea. I've heard this for years from from uh, somebody that said it, it's really not a good idea to go ahead and eat that candy as you go. Why? Well, if you if you're walking and you're again, you're you're distracted by trying to get that candy open and eating it, it's probably a better uh, option to go ahead and tell your child no matter what age they are, hey, let's wait till we get home so we can do all this uh, so that you're not, uh, you don't have a blood glucose level of 400 when you're out there running around and uh, high as a kite on a, on, can, on the, all the sugar. Plus, you don't have a chance to really look at what's appropriate for your child. Some people uh, have uh, gone you know, to not giving candy and maybe giving toys. Um, think about that too, particularly if you have younger children that are going to trick or treat with you. Uh, you know, airways are a big deal, uh, during, during Halloween. Uh, it's, it's a whole lot easier for a child to obstruct their airway from a foreign body, a foreign object, whether that be a piece of food like candy. Some of these candies, particularly the harder candies are not going to be something that dissolves very easily in the airway. Um, and it can be lodged down and you not know about it. They can have a little bit of coughing initially and then have problems later or small toys. Uh, so if you look at your child's little finger and actually this works for adults too, most people's, the interior diameter of their trachea, uh, uh, the main airway that goes from the back of the throat down and splits apart into both lungs. The main diameter of it is about as big as your diameter of your little finger. So if you think about your two-year-old or your three-year-old and you look at their little finger, that's how big the interior diameter of that airway is. So you think about all the foods that could get stuck there uh, if they choke on them. You know, that's that that's a potential uh, life-saving thing that you can do to avoid that uh, and sort of regulate that. So toys, generally, if they're less than one and three-quarters inches in diameter or if it's candy that, 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 that is that size for younger kids, I'm talking about toddlers mainly, uh, that's probably inappropriate for them to, to have access to. Um, it's, it, a lot of times you'll have, uh, I've seen parents do this trick-or-treating, they'll have a uh, sort of a stash bag, the, the main bag, and the adult has that. Uh, the child goes up with their little bowl, which is a smaller bag, and that's the collection bag. So they go up to the door, they trick-or-treat, they say trick-or-treat, they get the candy or the toy, they come back, and they dump it in the stash bag, and then they go back to the door. That way you don't have candy falling out all over the place when they're walking around. But that could help uh, you know, alleviate that and uh, allow you some uh, greater control over uh, just what they're, uh, they're coming into contact with. Um, only take candy from people that you that you really trust, and that's hard to do. I know sometimes in certain areas, but if you don't really know somebody, 
you know, that's going to be more issues that you have with people sort of abusing this holiday and taking advantage of your kids. And, uh, you know, you, we want to keep it fun. We don't want to have to deal with all the rest of those things um, uh, that you sometimes deal with with that. Hey, let's go to Mikey in uh, Mobile, who has a couple of comments about uh, some uh, safety. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Listen, I, I think you're so right. Um, there's another uh, the thing about the not letting uh, folks, because believe me, the parents in my neighborhood are just as bad. They're maybe worse <laughs> about, you know, opening the candy immediately and, um, you know, chomping on the way. Well, you're working um, so hard to keep them safe out there. You want to have a little snack, right? Well, you do. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm, I'm joking. Not, I'm, I'm joking about it. <laughs> Another downside of that is, well, yeah, you want to have a snack before you leave home, sure, right? Sure. I mean, so that you're not, so that they're not so low. Yeah, you know, you're the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you're right, Mike. That's an excellent first point. Well, is I know I'm right. I'm yeah. not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I just mean, uh, you know, having them full when they go is not such a bad idea. So having a snack beforehand, so that they're not, not loading up on all the candies, probably not a bad idea. Yeah, well, maybe not full, but, you know, have something so that they're not so, like, glow, glow, what do you call it, low glycemic? Yeah, Yeah, that thing. Um, Anyway, but the other thing is, uh, on the end of the neighborhood, if you're, if you, whether you're grown or not, and I'm saying this, yes, to some of y'all out there, uh, that I have, (laughs) you know, you have trick-or-treated me for a couple of generations now, um, uh, if you're going out right outside my gate, and throwing down the papers all over the curb that I have to go out and pick up the next day. It ain't fun, okay? That's true. That's true. Clean. It's I mean, almost so, like cleaning up after everybody has come over to your house and shot fireworks or something like well, that. Well, and so. worse, it's, it's teaching your children to trash your neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that ain't a good thing. No, um, it's not. Uh, but and as far as the, um, the holiday, um, uh, I love costuming stuff. I, I make costuming things. In fact, I just finished making myself a monster hat. Um, <laughs> it was... Um, well, it was okay. It was a she. It's a she now. Um, uh, it, it was a beach hat that was on sale at a very local, you know, store. And I took some magic markers and have. Well, it's a she now. Okay, with eyelashes and and lipstick and stuff. Um, but uh, flashers, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, and in fact, at another discount store, I bought some uh, sporting good stuff, but it's an armband. Yep. They are armbands that you can just clip on and clip off. You can do that with hats. You can do that with things. And, and luminary things. Um, I have found uh, nail polish that uh, once it, you've held it under the light for a while, it will light. So mm-hmm. think about all that jazz. Yeah, you know, glow-in-the-dark paint, all that kind of stuff can help with uh, with how visible kids are. They love flashing stuff. I'm glad you brought that up because certainly you could do that as, a, as you mentioned, a hat, a bracelet. You can put it on their shoes. All that movement and light will, you know, they'll have a good time with it, but they'll – uh, you'll be able to see them. And, uh, you know, Mike, I think you're right. I, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Don't trash your neighbors or somebody else. Uh, it sounds like your your uh, methods and what you're given has been pretty popular over the years, and uh, certainly you wouldn't want uh, uh, anybody to uh, take advantage of that. So t- talk to your kids about that. Um, I think that's important to respect property and other people's things. 
Uh, I see way too much of that these days with kids just sort of running amok. And uh, and I think those are things that really they need to be taught over time and example. And bringing, you don't have to make a big scene about it. If they're not doing it, say, hey, you dropped the, you know, you dropped the wrapper back there. Why don't you go back and pick that up before we go to the next house? That's something that you don't want to do. Or just wait, wait till eating it, you know, uh, wait till you can eat it later so that we can sort of screen it. So appreciate those comments from you, Mikey, and those great advice from, uh, Sounds like somebody who has a great fun during the holidays. And, uh, hey, go to Mikey's house. Don't trash your yard. So that's uh, that's that's something that, that you want to make sure that you do. Uh, so Mary from Jackson has comment about candy. Good morning, Mary. Oh, are you there, Mary? Yes, I am. Thank you for calling. Thanks for having me. So um, I would like to come in two things. Number one, as the earlier caller, Mikey had called. Uh, she told, mentioning uh, about like kids trashing the neighborhood. I would give a small suggestion for the kids. Um, they can actually put their wrappers in the same bag where they collect the candies. Any home, when they go home, they clear it up and then they can segregate it instead of like trashing the neighbors or like the, the, or the neighborhood. And uh, the second one is uh, when they go trick-or-treating, some of the neighborhood uh, people, they scare, like they wear like weird uh, costumes and it will be like zombies walking in and small kids, I have small kids and they get scared. Yeah. So I would sometimes be um, considerate enough to not scare the small kids because they would not do trick or treat the next year. Absolutely. Get enough scare. Yeah, they'll be terrified about that. I think that's some great advice. and. Uh, you know, think about that with your own child's costume as well. I mean, it's uh, some of the, some kids go for some really scary costumes. Certainly, uh, zombie apocalypse and all kinds of zombie-like uh, activity is out there and interest in that. Uh, but you can come up with some really scary stuff for small kids. Uh, you know, to to look at. So keep that in mind and. Um, for smaller kids too, you know, they, and this is new stuff to them. They don't necessarily know about it. So I think, uh, I think you're right. You need to just, just think about that and, uh, who you want you know, if, if your neighborhood's filled up with smaller kids, think about that of how you're going to come to the door. If you're going to be in costume or what your kids are going to be, uh, in costume or, or painted face or whatever. So I think that's, uh, that's some great things to keep in mind. So thank you, Mary, for uh, for that uh, call. And we're going to go to, i uh, got a couple minutes left. Let's go to Leah in Belzona. Good morning, Leah. Yes. I just wanted to tell you a funny story that we did on Halloween, and it was the same thing. We had indoor cats, and we used to take the glow sticks or the glow necklaces uh-huh. that um, kids can wear, and we'd punch a hole in them and sprinkle the cats with the liquid, which is non-toxic. I checked first. <laughs> then we would turn off the lights, and we'd have the cats chase a laser pointer. And it was the funniest looking thing to see these green glowing objects flying through the air and jumping off the furniture and everything in the dark. Oh, so that sounds a really fun thing to do. That sounds like a lot of fun. I, I don't know if the cats, we'd have to interview the cats, too, to see if they enjoyed it as well. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a fun thing to do. Actually, my son was telling me about a, a carnival he was at or a, an outing where they did that um, and sprinkled out that it is non toxic. Certainly, don't want to drink it or 
Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's that's a lot of fun to do that. You know, be creative out there too. If you uh, if you've got a neighborhood where you're still doing trick or treating. Be creative. We didn't mention, you know, neighborhoods get together at different times so that the whole neighborhood is sort of on board with that. If your neighborhood doesn't do it, that's an excellent thing that you could do is to organize, you know, and say, okay, this is when we're going to trick or treat. Some neighborhoods close down uh, the entrances, uh, close the streets to traffic, um, uh, you know, and just put up some cones. Um, that may be a good idea too, if you can just get everybody on board with it to make it a little bit safer, um, and, and to have a good time contest too. Hey, you got a yard of the month. Let's, uh, let's go for a costume contest of the month for, uh, for Halloween and, uh, get all the adults involved. I don't know, you know, there's, there's kids love when adults do stuff that's kid like, and I think there's all, all too often, there's not a whole lot of adults that are that are willing to do that. Halloween gives you an excuse to do that. So go out there and uh, make a fool out of yourself and do all kinds of crazy costumes. Uh, and uh, it goes a long way with your kids. You may think your kids aren't going to connect with you uh, anymore. Uh, Halloween's a good excuse to do that and uh, to have fun with them. Uh, one other thing about what they're eating too: a lot of people like to make treats and make uh, you know cookies and that kind of stuff. If you, and again, if you don't know the person, you might want to shy away from that and just uh, you know counsel your kids that are uh, that are that are trick or treating out there. Hey, if if it's not in a wrapper, you probably don't need to eat it. Or if it, if the wrapper's been tampered with, it looks like that something's wrong with it. Uh, you don't want to eat that either. So. Uh, cookies are great. I remember going to a couple of people's houses when I was smaller uh, to uh, to have those cookies. But if you don't know where it's coming from, then uh, I would shy away from it. Hey, thanks to all our callers this morning. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and it's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from the members of the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Our call screener has been Sam Wells. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and you can join us each Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.